listening to Subtext and Discourse, a podcast about visual art, the art world, and life in general. I'm your host, Michael Dooney, co-owner and director of Berlin-based contemporary art gallery, Jarvis Dooney. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with third-generation native New Yorker, Lynn Margaret Brown. I met Lynn a few years ago when she participated in my workshop, Promoting Your Photography in the Art World through the BB Car Berlin. We've caught up a number of times since, though typically only at exhibition openings and other related events. So it was a good chance to sit together and have a real conversation that goes beyond the usual pleasantries when meeting acquaintances at a party. Due to the length of our conversation, I've split the podcast into two parts, but without further delay, I present part one of my interview with Lynn Margaret Brown. When we first met was when you did the course with the BBK. Like, yeah. So was that two years ago now or one year I get, ago? I like, it's, now I think it's two years, which wow. is crazy. Yeah. yeah. But I think, because you were in the first postcard salon and you were in this one as well. Mm-hmm. But when I looked through a lot of your website, I realized that you do well, a lot of... And I don't have my photos on my website. Yeah, it's mostly um, but I did social that, documentation and video work that you're doing. Yeah, video and a lot of... Because I began doing... Okay, I began like very traditional um, ground like foundations in art, like mm-hmm. with my university studies. and But before that, I was a dancer. Oh, really? uh, my whole, okay. yeah, yeah. My I went to like a specialized high school in New York City for dance, which was mm-hmm. also a public high school, and at the same time was doing art because for some reason I thought it would be a better career <laughs> <laughs> to go into visual arts, and somehow like convinced my parents that that was like a better way. I was like, yeah, don't worry, I'm not going to be a dancer. Like I'm going to do painting. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think the thought was that I could like uh, do some kind of graphic arts. But this is, you know. Um, early 90s mm-hmm. so uh it was also just a really different setup in the u.s and as far as the specific uh rutgers where i went which had this like very long tradition of very political work mm-hmm. and but you were in new york weren't you and I, new york kind of born feel, and raised in new york yeah, yeah and i feel i mean i guess the closest thing i can compare it to is london and the uk that it kind of it exists outside of everything else and new york is like its own entity really and so even whatever is happening in the greater u.s what's happening in new york is kind of a its own little epicenter but but this is what's funny is i I actually went to school in new jersey (laughs) which but one hour outside of new york so the people who live there actually work in new york but it was really uh because i wanted to go most people i knew went again to only art schools Mm mm-hmm so for some reason, I really wanted to be, I also wanted to go to a place where I had the opportunity to continue dancing okay. as well as doing visual arts. And it was a bit of a lie because they were like, yeah, you can do foundations and visual arts, which is completely impossible to do that and another, go another art route at the same time, at least in that time period, because everything was compartmentalized into like, you're going to be a painter, you're going to oh, be a photographer. Right. Okay. Yeah, And I don't know how it is or was, I, I think it's probably not, it's much more cross-disciplinary now. Mm-hmm. And I always sort of maintain this cross-disciplinary thing, which is why I went to Rutgers University, because they had a very difficult art school to get into, but were part of a greater university. So I wouldn't just be with, like, I felt like it was too close to just go to school with kids who were, like, just doing art. Okay. Because I was always, like, in that world, and I went, even though I ended up being with them most of the time anyway in the university, you were actually around people who were studying other things as well. Oh, that's good. So that was sort of my thinking at 17 when mm-hmm. I was going. Also not knowing I was dropping myself, like, very into a extremely hardcore political uh, 
like really grounded in politics uh, art program, which was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, still to this day. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And what period was that? This was like, I finished in like 1993. Okay. So this was pretty early. And this was also like the movements of what was happening at the time, like feminist mm-hmm. art and like, uh, you know, I couldn't really just, <laughs> you weren't like making work to make work. Mm-hmm. And this might have also been the, watch, I'll get in trouble now for saying this, but mm-hmm. it might have also just been, you know, where I went because the actual university itself is like a very political university. Again, at 17, coming from New York, I was like, and this was like a huge big deal that I went to school in New Jersey, leaving yeah. New York. People were like, what's wrong with you? You know, it's like around. I was going the other way. Yeah. But I also had the opportunity to work with like great people. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to work so much in photography, but it's funny. I did do, I did three, two or three courses, which was all, you know, analog. It wasn't <laughs> digital. Yeah, digital like it was like actual, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I feel very lucky to have had that experience. Um, because, uh, doing photography let me, I always used it as part of my work. Mm-hmm. So I also think it's great that you let me be in part of these when I uh, shows when I feel like I'm not like grounded in photography, even though photography is part of my work, which is also why it's not on my website, because I have a lot of questions about how to um, show that data and show the work that I'm doing with it being okay to show the images, you know, like it's different than making my own uh, drawing. Yeah. But I think I've had the same experience with same conversations with other artists that have had the photography is photography for them has been more documentation like especially if they're coming from performance and dance mm, like it's yeah. more been an analytical tool same as if they're doing sculptural work or something else and one of the other artists that I interviewed it's kind of he annoying, was saying right? as well <laughs> no it's not but it's I think it's sort of a it's a natural progression really I think and you maybe you spend more time photographing and you think oh this is this is actually also interesting work as well, not it, just... It's, it ended up becoming more interesting for me. I But I always did... Fo- I Like, my mom had always taken photos. And mm-hmm. people always ask me, how do you have... You know, I, I was looking at, like, the sort of vintage photos that you have, and I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, we have millions of them. And that just happened to be because my mother liked to take a lot of photos. Like, people were like, how do you have all these photos? Mm-hmm. You know, and from, like, the 70s and the 80s. And I was like, we have boxes of them in my house. Boxes. And I think it just, uh, so naturally, I just thought everybody was doing that. And I was always interested in doing that. And I think um, because I naturally have this tendency to, I don't know if it's like a lack of self-confidence, but I think that also came from the art program that I started. And it was like, you have foundations in printmaking and drawing. Mm -hmm. You are not a photographer. So like that was literally that's how they you know people got angry that I was even doing dance at the time. They oh were like, really? Yeah, Is like well you know art students beginning art students they were sort of like you're not dedicated enough just to doing your craft of painting you know and it oh, was really right. like people would be like snobby about it. Yeah. So, uh, and how funny is that now? It's like completely the flip side. Like, yeah, people... I mean, cause you do teaching as well, but now it's almost as though a lot of people seem to come out of university and they don't have a, they don't have a niche or they don't have a specific focus. Right. Like I'm, you know, it swung the, com- right. Yeah, the pendulum I, I just apply my art to whatever medium is calling to me rather than saying I'm specializing in painting. Right. And I've, and now, but when I think about it, like at the time, I didn't understand why it was that way. Now I do understand why it was that way. And mm-hmm. also it's just probably was an easier way to like 
sell yourself to people. You know, it's like she is a painter. Mm-hmm. He is a photographer. So like it really people know where you're going. You know, I find this the same problem with work because I, you know, I've worked as an executive assistant. I've worked in law firms. I like worked as a professor. I have, you know, and for especially here in Germany, it's hard because people are like, well, what are you? Yeah. Like, are you an artist or are you an executive assistant or, or are you a philosopher or you're and I feel like I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like this mix, but it's very hard to even get norm- a normal job. Because, yeah. And I mean, I think if know. anything, the, the workplace or the, yeah, the career environment is shifting that way a lot because we have to kind of be, we all have to be experts in everything. We have to be generalists. And well, yeah. I, I always feel like a lot of the time the art world reflects the world at large. And if you're not specific to one thing because before when we went to college or the university you would train to do just that one thing whereas now you've got to do a double degree or you've got to do something else and then you know a marketing expert but you're also a graphic designer and you're an accountant and you also do IT yeah 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 you can't um yeah and then I when I started studying the aesthetic philosophy I was laughing because like the ancient Greeks were like well you really are supposed to be one thing yeah like that was sort of like you know and then that be the best at what you are whether you're a soldier or whether you're they weren't into the art into uh they were into kicking the artists out (laughs) but then letting them back in but because they thought it was like too emotional and dramatic but I was thinking a lot I think a lot about these things (laughs) In reflection with my own life. But I always felt like, as far as bringing it back to photography, I always feel like um, it's the same. Like, and then I was like, I want to work with the moving image, but I'm not a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And I have friends who are big filmmakers. So that's always been a weird... Like, can I enter into that world? Oh, right. Because I'm that's to do that. You, you know what I mean? Like, or um, are they going to think I'm crazy? Or are they going to be aggravated that I'm going it you know there's enough prop enough stress in their world with their own competition of filmmakers Mm -hmm. but it was funny when i did this one project here it was kind of an insane thing to do i realized after because of how hard it was to do because first of all i didn't speak german and i was doing interviews with german people and um this is the boss this is the this is the uh, i did a like a social research project two years ago i began it and this was just asking people like about their own personal lives. And that was, that's also not on my website because it's only been shown once. Oh, okay. And I'm sort of, um, and I can actually discuss it with you at some point aside from this, but I really, I set up my, and funded my own exhibition here with like 16 uh, huge TVs and like a massive, project. it was like thousands of euros I like saved to do this so I could show individual interviews from 15 people that I filmed here based on this questionnaire that was started in like the 1920s about getting to know people when you write letters to each other to find out about their life when you don't know them. Mm -hmm. And it's like this list of 20 questions that came from when I first got here meeting people who felt like, I I don't know who I thought I was, but uh, they were not involved with the art world. And when I would ask them questions about politics or life or refugee situation blah 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 they were like why are you asking me like no one cares what i think i'm from berlin so as soon as i kept hearing that like they were like what i think it doesn't matter you know and i was like now we're going to do interviews about what you think because it's driving me crazy and i have a little bit of that from like where i'm from in queens i find that too like people are like Ugh. you know like that's for like the other people to decide not everyone some people are like huge loudmouths, but a lot of people are like I don't have time to think about what's going on here. I just need to make money to survive. Yeah, okay. So, like, the politics just go, 
they put it in the hands of other people and then are like, what happens now? This like, you know, horrible things happening or we're losing our housing or, and we did nothing before to stop it or we're not involved, you know, and my family's always involved in a, like I always had to vote. There's always a big deal in my house. So I came, you know, like this gangbuster is here with my friends and they were like, Oh my God, like Lynn. <laughs> and I was like, now I'm going to put you on video and we're going to yeah. do this whole project. And I don't even know if it's an art project or a social research project, but I haven't. And then I had it like my friend edited and mixed it. The sound was horrible because I don't know how to like work with the sound and I don't have like this wonderful normal tool that anyone would have. <laughs> and it like, so this is, and then, you know, people weren't showing up for the interviews. <laughs> And I knew them, like, I'd have to catch them in the park and be like, come on. So this was, this was a great learning tool about learning how people work when they're doing filmmaking yeah. and things. Because I was like, right, it's not like when I go in the studio and have to do, like, a massive wall-size drawing. And I, it's up to me mm -hmm. to make it. Now I'm depending on a group. So it was a huge challenge, but I enjoyed it. But I... The whole like pre-production, production, post-production post was totally. I have all friends who do this, but I was never in there. So what drove you to to do that then? Because had you done it whilst you were in the US, or it was the first never, time you did it when you were here? Never, because I always felt like it wasn't my. Oh right. I wasn't. I mean, literally, I've lived with sound designers and video designers for like major movies, and my friends have gone to like the top filmmaking schools in the US. They're making feature films, so I was like, oh, you okay. know, <laughs> like no. But here, I felt like. I could do it, and it was the only way I could think of, like, I can draw them, but mm -hmm. it wasn't going to get the, I, I don't know, and I don't have a studio. So I was like, what can oh, I do? Right. So you had to kind of go out in the field. Yeah, and, and then I was like, I can video, I can do video, Yeah, you know, and I could just get this little video camera, and then I, so it's an, so there's an eight-hour film. That is all the videos that I had actually someone mix in, like, Soho in New York to put mm -hmm. it together, who's a friend of mine. And I just had that playing continuously, like, well, <laughs> continuously well, eight hours at the opening. And then you could listen to each individual interview on, with the head, headsets for all the... I mean, it was insane. It was like an insane yeah, thing well, to do. But I was like... And at the time, my father had just passed away right oh, before it. Gosh. And I think it pushed me even harder to do... Like, I was like... I'm doing this. Like, this is nuts, but I, I just have to focus on something. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, all in all, it was like 2,500 euros. But for me, for me, that's like a lot of money that I didn't have to just put towards this. But I really like had a lot of people. It was, it was a great thing to do. And I feel like I would, I should continue it. And I actually put only little previews online on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I have like millions of people from Thailand watching it. Like, oh. it's, like, completely, like, I'm, like, why they would be interested in this? And I don't have, sub, like, there is no untertitle, oh, no subtitles, because yeah. that's a whole other thing I didn't think about, like, how, yeah. so, you know, some people are trying to talk to me in English, and the other part of the, it, this is my, I guess, my most recent project, so I'm, like, thinking about it, and how I can, where I can go from this, uh, from there. But I was like, uh, okay, then there's subtitles, then there's when you're speaking to someone in another language and making your, like ex-boyfriend speaking German to them and you can't um, engage them to go further deeper into a question because yeah. you don't know how to ask that and then you're just happy they showed up and are on the camera <laughs> you know so the whole thing I don't I had no idea if it was going to be interesting to people or not but I do know that people felt very involved so when I had my opening of my at this place called culture space I had an art residency here and they're not normally doing residencies 
now he's changed the whole thing. The guy, it's like a nonprofit that like mm-hmm. supports graphics and every graphic designers and all different kinds of now film projects, which is funny. Wow. After the fact. Yeah. But he gave me his space for like three days for free. And that's where I did the opening. And I had like, like everybody came. Because everybody was in it. Yeah, of course. So then it's like my most successful opening I've ever had. I had like tons of people there. Like people were on the street, you know, and I brought like all this booze and had everybody come and it was great. So um, I just don't know where to go forward with it. And obviously there were fails, like people who were actual like people who were going to critique because I didn't work with anybody who could Mm -hmm. critique me. You know, they were like, what's with the sound? Or you should have put, you know, subtitles or... I had people really obsessed with um, how old the people were in the oh, interviews. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you know how people just like, I don't know what their background was, but um, I was thinking maybe a professor or something because they were like, there should be more information and I need to know like this person's name. But my point of the of this project was not that. And also some people didn't want to give that information. Mm-hmm. I left it up to them. Like, you don't have to give your name. You don't have to give. Because they also, I wanted them to be honest about how they felt about things. Yeah. And about politics. So I was like, you can say what you want. And I think it annoyed people because it was only Berlin, people from Berlin. So people who lived here who were also German were kind yeah. of like, I, are these people really from Berlin? And I was like, yeah, they're just not the people you normally see in an art video. Yeah. Like, the guys who were actually setting up the equipment were, like, listening to it when they were putting it. And they were like, this sounds like me. Like, you were you were interviewing people like us. And I was like, yeah, this whole hierarchy thing here is weird to me. I don't get it. <laughs> like, how, like, people who are in school are supposed to only hang out with other people from university. And I was like, I don't know. The whole thing is weird to me. But I live here now, so I have to accept it. And I just think at the time I was more... Like, like excited about it or something mm. or curious so I was like I need to know more about this or like what's going on and so going uh, yeah please please back. because I'm <laughs> and um, I only had half you... a cup of coffee <laughs> <laughs> when did you um, when did you come to Berlin then or what motivated it because you said um, you're third generation New York you kind of always live yeah. in that area yeah. and I still feel like even though I'm here I'm there because I spent my first 40 years of my life in New York City mm-hmm. do you so, still work or you still go back I still often? I still work for the a small nonprofit there because otherwise I couldn't even be here if mm-hmm. I didn't because I I'm, I'm I'm really not making enough money to be here yeah so but again I just got the visa that could let me work full mm-hmm. time here but still how, when did I got I think first was 2014 through NYU because mm-hmm. they I was doing it masters in studio art and the program was a few months out of the year it wasn't like the normal schedule it was through their global programming and they had we did our first two years in venice Mm -hmm. and the last summer was here and it was like it just blew my mind when i first got here because it also reminded me a lot of home yeah even the way it looked so i was like and then i met someone like literally that summer and i was like i want to stay here so i went back to new york and stayed in contact with him which was a huge mistake (laughs) like horrible mistake but it brought, kept bringing me back and then I had an, I had a show at the Grimm Museum that was a group show mm-hmm. uh, through the university that was great I mean you know it just like it was the first time I actually was uh, had the ability to show my artwork oh right okay because the New York art world is like insane yeah. so there it just it just felt more like I could get in and I just I just really loved it I don't know what it was it was like an energy that I felt I had lost and also when I was living in New York, like I lost my home after oh, 14 years, like they gave me two weeks to get out. 
uh, pretty much from gen- gentrification and like the prices were going up. But like literally, like I found out and came home that day and they had ripped out my kitchen. Really? Yeah, oh, after okay. 14 years. But I lived in Williamsburg in the like center of of like the explosion of the place like it was ridiculous my address is ridiculous it's like on tv every time they show it there i'm like that's where i live like that's my window it's just nuts but i moved there in 1998 into that area and it was like my friend's grandparents house yeah okay then they would like no one wanted to live there it was shitty but the train was right into manhattan one stop the l train Mm. so i was there for like 14 years lost my place couldn't find, didn't have another place to live, had to put all my stuff in storage after 14 years having this place and like literally lived on like another ex's friend's sofa, paying rent and living on the sofa, like at my age, like oh, <laughs> for yeah. three years. And, and that's when I went back for the studio masters because I really, really um, loved this man, Maurizio Pellegrin, who was like a mentor for me, who I had met years before when I was at Columbia, who I saw uh, give a lecture. And I just said to him, like, I need to work with you. I don't know, like, what you're just the, the, his philosophy about art and life and thinking was amazing. So then he was like, I, I do this studio program. I'm an artist from Venice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So you're like, okay, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah, so, okay. But he was like, MRU is really expensive and you're already in a master's program. Like, think about it. So I was, I just like kind of gave up on that. And then when this happened with my housing and everything, I was just like, why not? Yeah, okay, makes sense. Like, I don't really live anywhere. So it was like, this sort of seemed like the time. And then that's long story, yeah. but that's how I ended up in Berlin. Oh, so, wow. So okay. uh, came with the school the last semester. Lo and behold, NYU actually fired Maurizio Pellegrin after oh. 40 years of doing the program the summer before I finished when we were in Venice. Like, wow. they came and sort of like hatcheted the whole crew from Venice to move it. NYU's a huge business. <laughs> just so everyone knows <laughs> and they and they got rid of it and then moved it to Berlin mm-hmm. but with new people oh, like just got rid of there. yeah and I mean this artist was working with like Peggy Guggenheim and the Guggenheim is, I mean it's ridiculous what, what happened but so I had all these amazing opportunities ended up here and feel like I should be making much more of myself as an artist when I'm here and feel so thankful for you for letting me be a part of the exhibition last year because, um, and the Bibika, like to be a part of that group was, mm-hmm. I just felt like, again, that's why I'm here. That like I worked to get into that and be a part of that. And, yeah. and I do believe that those kind of organizations are super important. But now I need to, like this year was so hard. And when I, <laughs> just to even get in the show, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just like, and now I need to, uh, like, it gives me energy to keep going. That brings us to the end of part one. The second installment of the interview will be online in the next days. In the meantime, please follow us on social media, support us on Patreon, and we of course welcome any feedback to this interview or the ones prior. That's all for now. You've been listening to Subtext and Discourse with myself, Michael Dooney. <laughs>